Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have the CEO of the DNA company. His name is Kashif Khan, and he's a wonderful man who's going to explain to us a little bit about uh, DNA and how to optimize our performance. Now, before uh, I get started, I just wanted to um, clarify, we have in that because we in our business have two programs. We uh, uh, definitely use the DNA company's programs, um, and we also have our epigenetics programs and not to confuse the two they are slightly different programs they are both looking at your genetics but from different lenses with different um, genes that are involved Um, so just to clarify what that's all about if you've got any questions you don't understand um, please reach out to me support at lisatarmody.com but what's exciting about this um, particular set of, of information that the DNA company has is you're going to be understanding things like your cardiovascular health your metabolic pathways, your hormonal health pathways, uh, your um, detox pathways, your mood and behavior. So it's a really uh, a fantastic insight into your genetics and what you can do when you have this information. It's especially important, I think, the reports on hormones, which we don't cover in our epigenetics program. So anyone who wants to understand their hormonal pathways, this is really one that's very, very beneficial. And also your methylation pathways, which are covered in detail in the epigenetics program that we offer. So that's one of the reasons why we have a couple of different offerings, Um, just to to clarify there. But I do hope you enjoy this episode with Kashif Khan. Um, Genomics and functional genomics are my area of expertise and interest now. I've been doing this for a few years, and I really enjoy this area of science and what it can give us. And when you layer on top of that a whole lot of uh, information around health and health fundamentals and also mindset coaching and all the rest of it and you get a quite a powerful combination so i do hope that you will all either do the dna test or do the epigenetics genetics test with us at some point if you want to optimize your health and performance um, so before we go over to the show just a reminder too we have our boost camp webinar series coming up this is an eight week long webinar series once a week for uh, an hour and a half uh, neil wagstaff my business partner and i I will be um, hosting this webinar series that's all around um, boosting your life, basically, how to upgrade your life, your performance, your health, your well-being, your mental well-being, helping you understand everything, how your body ticks, basically, all the stuff that they should have been teaching us at school but didn't. If you want to upgrade your life, you want to reach more, you know, higher performance, have more resilience, being able to cope with stress better, all of those sorts of things, then I hope you'll, you know, come with us on this journey. It's an eight-week-long program. You'll get to meet a lot of cool other people on there as well, and it will be an interactive um, scenario. <clears throat> so uh, once a week, that will be, and go for an eight-week period, okay? So if you want to check that program out, head on over to peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp. So that's peak with a P-E-A-K, peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp with a S. The links will be in the show notes if you if you get stuck or reach out to us, support at lisatamaji.com for more info. Right, now over to the show with Kashif Khan. 
Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Super excited to have you join me again. I have the CEO of the DNA company with me, Kashif Khan. Kashif, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you. It's awesome to be here. I'm sorry because we're in Toronto. We had to wake you up really early. <laughs> yes. your day. You disturbed my sleep, Kashif. I was fast asleep and thought, oh, no, I've got to get up. And it's freezing cold here. Uh, no, it's an absolute honor to have you on. And um, I love your company. I love Dr. Mansour, who's uh, your, your scientist at your company. Uh, I've learned an awful lot since I've been working with you guys. And uh, I'm really excited for today's conversation. So, Kashif, can you just tell uh, the listeners who don't know, you know, they probably should if they've been listening to my show for a while because Dr. Mansour has been on four times. But um, tell us about the DNA company, what you do, and why you guys are different. Sure. So we set out a few years ago to say that there's this sort of thing that we knew that was so valuable, our genetics, right? It's our instruction value. You've spoken to Mansoor about this several times and in terms of if you were to actually be able to read and understand what your DNA is saying, the impact that could have, right? Yeah. Every cellular process in your body is driven by genetic instructions. Imagine if we knew what those instructions were, right? So we set out to say, how do we make this more actionable? Because what we found, the, the sort of hardcore diagnostic of you got some rare cancer or some genetic disease, you're born with it. It's there. There's a genetic switch that was turned on or off and that led to some issue. The clinical world is doing a good job with that stuff Mm -hmm. because that's what genetics is believed genetics is for, right? Then you got this other extreme of this sort of recreational, I'm going to go online and buy a consumer test and it may tell me what to eat or how to run, but it's not really actionable, meaning that it's going to work just like any other thing on a trial and error basis, seven out of 10 people, right? It didn't really do justice to what your DNA has to offer. Mm -hmm. What we said was, this first bucket of these genetic problems is very important, but it's two, three percent of healthcare. Yeah. Right. And these there's this rare cases. cases. Yeah, really rare cases, but it's they're very important because there's not you're born with it. It's, you yeah. have no choice but to deal with it, right? And genetic therapeutic companies are good doing a good job of dealing with it. Then you have these sort of wellness seekers that don't necessarily have a problem, but it's kind of infotainment. They're learning and enjoying that report. Chronic disease, Center for Disease Control here, where we're south of our border in the United States, that's, they say it's 90% of the healthcare spend. And you know better than anyone, that's all preventable, right? Yeah. Chronic disease, you're not born with type 2 diabetes. No. You're not born with a cholesterol issue, right? No. No. That's making the wrong choices for too long. Yep. So we then ask the question, well, what are the right choices? Mm-hmm. Right. And are those choices the same for all of us? And that's what we use genetics for. We yes. didn't say, let's go try and solve a genetic problem. There's other guys doing a really good job of that. We said that 90% of people that by the age of 50, at least here in North America, yep. it's probably the same for most of the modern world. And yep. you've got something, right? Yep. By the age yep. of 60, you got two somethings. Yep. And the last 10 years of your life, you're in treatment and you're just not enjoying what you were meant to enjoy. Yeah. You declare. I was born healthy. Why don't I die healthy? <laughs> it's those choices in between. And that's what we did. We set out, and the last thing I'll say about it is why we're able to do this is because we didn't go study DNA. There's enough science out there already. We studied people. We said, let's start at what's wrong with this person. What are they expressing as a symptom? And let's drill down genetically to see where is the system failing. That's a good king, right? Yeah. So if we know what system failures we have that are going on for 7, 10, 15 years that eventually led to that symptom, 
then we can start to prevent and reverse that problem. Right? Wow. And this is what we've been doing clinically in our office is we've been dealing with executives, athletes, you know, people that are willing to pay for what used to be an expensive process to re- literally reverse disease or prevent it. And now we can speak about it. We put some AI to it to sort of make it available to everybody. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's just a, this is the key difference. I want people to bring that out again, just in case people miss that. It's, it's about understanding not the single gene that's at play because we have a very simplistic, you know, from what I've learned from Dr. Mansour and, and from working with a number of different genetic tests over the years is that you're looking at single genes and then making a conclusion based on that single gene. The difference with your company is that you look at the system, which is, you know, a holistic approach is good in everything, I think. And when you're looking at the end result and then going, hang on a minute, they've got this gene plus this gene plus this, this and this, that combination makes X, Y, Z, a problem, and this is what we can do about it. And that is much more difficult <laughs> to do. Yeah. And this is where the expertise of the world's leading functional genomic scientist, Dr. Mansour, really uh, must have been a benefit in, in uh, pulling that sort of a uh, difficult you know, uh, symptomology, if you like, with the genetics and then making this sort of a systems approach. Yeah, he certainly, like his powerful brain powered all of this, right? Yeah. And you, you're touching on where the genetic industry is broken. It's kind of like a, a dirty secret that's masked with nice marketing. But the problem for the genetic industry and why did it go in the direction you're describing? The, it's one of the few lab tests that you only need to do once. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Your DNA doesn't yeah. change. Mm. And so as a genetic testing company, the business proposition of I test you once and there's no other engagement with you ever again mm. wasn't exciting to investors. No. Right. And so that drove, well, how are you going to create more revenue? How are you going to go back into this? And because the guys that were doing this on scale, these sort of infotainment tests of the world that you can find online, you know, they weren't looking for how do I solve genetic therapeutics or genetic diseases? They're like, well, I'm dealing with consumers, so I have to give them something. And there was nothing to give because the insights weren't deep enough. So it got reverse engineered into, well, we have these people's DNA. I think the pharmaceutical industry may be interested in that. So, yeah, so the the DNA testing industry became a data collection industry because that's where the reoccurring margin came from. I sell you the test as cheap as possible, give you a nice recreational marketing message that you want, whether it's ancestry or learn about your hair color, which you can see in the mirror if you were to just take a couple steps over, right? (laughs) But the real business was, You've just signed consent for your DNA to be researched, which really doesn't cause you a problem. By any, but that was the business. So, so that's the selling test, the data. Selling your data. Now, so the front end test wasn't designed for how do I give you the most value? It was designed for what does Glaxo want me to deliver? Mm-hmm. They're the guy that's paying me $5,000 per test that you're paying $100 for. Wow. So they're 50 times more valuable than you. Right? Holy heck. Yeah. So that's what happened with DNA testing is that it was a big roadblock of like, well, we sell a test and I don't ever need to do anything with you again. I'm stuck. Yeah. But Glaxo will buy the data. So I need to collect the right data, which is a bunch of individual genes that is not the way the body works. Yep. Right? And so the reports were dependent on a test that was testing for the wrong stuff to begin with because yep. it was a data collection machine. So that's where things failed. And so we started there and said, Okay, if we we're if we we're to do this over again, and that consumer that came in said, "Change my world," 
interpret my DNA for me and change everything. That's what we set out to do. Let's, let's actually derive the insights that you wanted in the first place. Right. And that, that's the, the key difference. That's yeah, and that, that is just mind blowing. That so big pharma and collection of big data, and it's not it's anonymous people. They're not they're not connecting it right. to you personally, but it is um, it is a valuable thing that you're giving up for another business model. Um, and and if we look at the some of the things that we can actually through the reports of the DNA company. <clears throat> so I've worked with a number of different uh, genetic testing companies over the years. We, uh, in our company, we use an epigenetics program as well, which, uh, which is very good and, uh, very beneficial as well. And it provides sort of a, a base framework. But if I'm looking for specifics and going to drill into any detail, then that's when I go to the DNA company. Um, so I'm looking at things. So in the, in, if we give people listening, um, a, a demonstration, really. So if, if you come as a, as a young woman and you're deciding whether you're going on the pill and you right. need to know what your hormones are doing before you do that, young ladies out there, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to go on the pill if you're on the wrong thing. And generally the pill is not a great idea anyway. But anyway, let's use that as an example. Or you're like me, you're menopausal. You want to know, should you be on hormone replacement therapy or not? You're dealing with some issues. That's when we can dig into the DNA company's reports. That's just one example. Um, but what sort of information do they get from that? And then how, how can they actually use that in their life? Just to give that an example. So you're touching on you know the health of young women. And I would say of all the things we do, female hormone health is where we've had the biggest impact. Mm. Not because we're the greatest at it, because it's the worst experience in current healthcare. Mm. That gap between what women need and what they're getting mm. versus cardiology versus anything else, it sucks. It just, let's be honest, that female yep. healthcare experience really sucks, yep. right? <laughs> and it's, it's taken for granted. Well, it's your hormones. You're supposed to have problems, right? <laughs> You're supposed to have pain and PMS and med bad menopause. It's just part of life. But that, that comes from, again, a clinical model of reacting to clinical representation, reacting to symptoms, right? Symptoms. Okay, I have a, I have pain, I have cramps. Okay, let's deal with the cramps. We're not going to ask the question of why you're even. Why are you going to cramp? Yeah. Right. So, genetically, I can test a five-year-old girl and tell you exactly what that hormonal journey looks like. Yep. To prevent all of that mess. It's amazing. And give her that smooth journey, and I. I'll use my own family as an example. Mm -hmm. So my niece, who is uh, 13, about, uh, I would say, October-ish, so like, you know, within the last year, had an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. First time ever. Wow. And she, she yeah. collapsed to the ground. So I went over there. She lives with my mom. And my mom, my sister, and my niece live together, right? And they're like 10 minutes from me. So I went over there. We just figured, okay, I figured something at school, maybe bullying boys, who knows what it is, right? Mm, mm. So we let it be where we went to the doctor. And I have a friend that's a pediatrician. He said, it's normal at this stage. There's a lot of stresses at school. Let her relax, right? It happened again. The second time, she fell over and hurt herself because she actually passed out. Wow. Right? And so that time, uh, my mom said, can you please take her to a clinic? Like she hit herself pretty hard. She can't walk. Oh gosh! I took her to a walk-in, like emergency, at the hospital, uh, and we spent a good six hours there. You know, yeah. 
Canadian healthcare system, because it's a government paid, it's also overused. And so there's long waits, right? Yes. So this emergency of maybe her legs broken, it took six hours. And what was the end result? Testing and analysis, uh, you know, clinicians coming in and out. If it happens again, let us know. Oh, yeah, nothing. Right. That, that was the result. If it happens again, let us know. So like clockwork, it happened again. Oh, my gosh. That time, my mom called me crying, saying she woke up to a note that my niece had run away from home. Oh, This was a few months ago, right? Yeah. And I said, it was so out of character because she's such an innocent, beautiful young girl that there's no reason you would never guess, right? Mm -hmm. So my guess. mom says, well, like, come, like, I don't know what to do. She's freaking out and my sister's freaking out. So I come over there. My mom lives in an apartment building. So I go and like my niece is literally downstairs at the lobby, like just kind of standing around. <laughs> and for her, that's leaving home. Like she hasn't really gone past that on her own, right? <laughs> and so I look at her. I was like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? Who is bullying you? What is like, tell me what's actually happening. Don't worry as bad as it is. Like you're, nobody's judging you. Just tell me. Because I really thought it was a school thing, right? Yeah. She had no clue what it was. And I realized she was, she was just so distraught. She was running away from herself. She just couldn't handle whatever was going on upstairs, right? That's when I took a step back. I said, stupid me. Yeah. We help all these executives like all day long. And I didn't yeah. even look at her genetics, which I had already. Yes. Right? We understand her because she takes some supplements for certain things, right? Yeah. She yeah. actually has a cholesterol issue at a very young age. And that's actually a genetic issue, by the way. Wow. So, so you picked that I up. looked at her DNA and the glaring red flag was that she's highly androgenized, which means testosterone. Yes. Which yep. means right before her menstrual cycle where the estrogen levels are already so low, she's like extremely experiencing that. Wow. What else was happening? This is COVID season, right? Yep. What changed in that year? It's the first year that she did school from home. Yeah. So no social interaction. And no vitamin D. No vitamin no D. Ah, right? And it came through this, in the report too. Yes. And when did this happen? This happened October, December, and I think January. Yeah. Right. So then I said to my mom, when is her menstrual cycle? And she told me, like clockwork, I looked at my mom's text messages. Each one of those instances were the day before her cycle. Yep. Yep. There you go. Right. Which is the lowest peak of estrogen and the sort of right before the peak of testosterone. Yeah. Combine that, with, which would already cause some sort of anxiety in a young girl. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Combine that with zero vitamin D because she's not going outside and not supplementing. So mood and behavior. And genetically, she, yeah, so now it's just this t vitamin D is responsible for 10% of your biochemistry. 10%? Yeah, of the 22,000 genes in your body, 2,000 require vitamin D to function. Holy heck, I knew there was 700 or so processes, but I don't know, it was 10% of your genetics. Yeah, 10% of what's going on in your body needs your vitamin biochemistry. D. Wow. So just imagine if we're, which so many of us are, especially during COVID season. So now I unravel and unpack this thing and I call my friend, the pediatrician who helped me get her into the emergency in six hours instead of 10, right? Yeah. And I said to him, I think this is what's really going on. And by the way, I also spoke to Mansoor about this, Yeah. right? I said, I said to Mansoor, I looked at her genomics, her menstrual cycle, like on clockwork, that's when she ran away. That's when she had the two anxiety attacks. He said, yeah, and also the vitamin D. And we unpacked it. And I talked to the pediatrician. I said, this is what I think is happening. He said, what you're saying makes absolute sense in terms yep. of biochemistry, mm -hmm. but I don't have this in my toolkit. No, because the only thing not I can do is that, medical school. Yeah, he said the only thing I can do is you're complaining about anxiety. I can give you an anxiety pill, right? 
They do, they will not connect that, it to the menstrual cycle. Yeah, and you could do you could go and then give a vitamin D, and you can also do things to maybe lower the androgen load if you decide to go yep. that route or whatever you you know when you look at the entire cascade of her hormones. Yeah, that, that's just a very good. Thanks for sharing that example because it it just puts things into human terms, you know. Because otherwise, yes. we're just talking about and you know, like when I was a young girl at that age, um, I. Uh, I have like a very fast sip 17A1. So you know, I went into puberty quite early and I had a rough ride and I had um, a heck of a lot of pain and, and periods that would last for months on end. And the doctors, what did they do? They stuck me on the pill at the age of 13. Oof. At the age of 13, they just stuck me on the pill because that covered up the symptoms. That right. gave my cycle regularity because it's not a yep. real cycle, ladies, if you're yeah. listening. And it took away the extreme cramps that I was having, um, but it masked what was actually going on in my right. body. And nobody back then knew to, you know, we didn't have genetics. We now do. Now I understand what my genetic profile is and what I can tweak and what I can do and what I what I probably shouldn't do and how I can right. support that whole process. My menopause is is is, you know, been a lot smoother than the beginning, but I had in the middle um, infertility, fibroids, uh, horrific bleeding to the point of nearly dying a few times, Um, you know, all of that could have been saved if I hadn't been on the pill for 30 years. Yeah, yeah, no Exposed to estrogens for all of that time, which caused these fibrous, uh, uh, fibroids to to grow. Right. And adenomyosis. When I actually have Across the board, across the, the, the SIP 19A1s average, and the others are all red lighted. The SIP 1A1, 1A2, uh, one, all of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I shouldn't have an estrogen issue. Yeah. But I do because I was on the pill for 30 years. You're on the pill, which your body was not designed to do. And nope. what's not understood is it, the, 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 the incorrect belief in treating hormones is what you put in is what you get. Meaning yep. that, you know, if I take BHRT, for example, give somebody testosterone, they have more testosterone. No. What if they convert it all to estrogen or into yes. DHT and they start losing their hair yeah. and get crazy acne, right? And what if that estrogen that they produce into is highly toxic, like a 4 or 16 hydroxy, which we have breast cancer patients. It's just one thing. Mm-hmm. Literally today, one of our major investors, wife, uh, two weeks ago, got diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. And so he came to us and said, before I get on any protocol, whatever, I obviously as an investor, he understands what we do. He said, what are the insights? And it was a glaring red flag, 16 hydroxy estrogen. And she took birth control pills for 20 something years. Right. And and what do you do then? You know, like it's. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're fueling this toxic pot and guess what? She's menopausal. And what happens when you're menopausal is you start to store toxic estrogen and fatty tissue. In your breast tissue, right? And you wonder why so many women get breast cancer in and around the menopause age. And if they've been right? on the pill, they're much more likely to be getting it if they've got a <laughs> problem with the toxic estrogens. Yeah. I mean, we're getting yeah. right down into the weeds, but this is the yeah. this is the insights from just one segment of, one little piece, yeah. of yeah. these reports. You know, that this is just the hormones we're talking about. Just on that final thing on for the hormones. I mean, I, I was um, doing a speaking engagement up in Auckland for a gynecologist, um, and she was saying she's got 15, 16 year old. Girls coming in with estrogen, estrogenized cancers, you know, like dying from cancer because they're extremely obese. 
Right. Which, when you've got lots of fat tissue and uh, adipose tissue, you you make more estrogens, and then right. they have this this toxic estrogen combination, right? Because of their genetics, and you're getting cancers at that ridiculously young age. She said it's just just horrific, um, you know. So these are the sorts of things we can prevent if we know what your genetics are and what what we can do then to optimize and whether you should be, you know, uh, what what you should be doing. And to speak to that, this is where we we had a challenge. So the challenge was we can have these conversations, right? We can dive deep, go into the weeds, like you said. But how do you do that with everybody, right? We have a certain number of clinicians. There's people like you that have learned. But for the most part, if we go out there and all of a sudden a million people want a DNA test, how can we actually interpret the DNA, which is what we do sort of better than other people. It's not, anybody can go test for DNA. In fact, anybody listening can go buy a DNA machine, open up a DNA lab, as long as you're regulatory wise, whatever, and it'll print out a report for you, right? What does that report mean is what's the difference between what we do and what others do. So that was the challenge where we said, okay, now that we're kind of ready, we've studied 6,000 people. That's what we did in the last few years. We sat in front of one by one by one, 6,000 people. And we felt like we weren't really learning anymore. We were kind of seeing just repeats. So we were now ready to go out and say, we've documented all this stuff. We want to go out and get it to people. So that started with, we need to train an army of sort of genetic consultants, right? And that turned into, well, they're never going to learn it. The more you have, never going to learn to the same degree that we do it today. There's always going to be some nuance or some influence of what they believe versus the science. So he said, that's not going to work. They said, well, well, let's go train other clinicians or people like yourself, right? Mm. Yeah, I've been training for a couple of years now. And you've been been doing it, right? So you take an interest, you've done it. And I would argue that if someone comes and speaks with you about it, they'll have an incredible life-changing experience. For the most part, clinicians won't go past surface level. They're busy, Mm. right? And their staff is busy. They're not going to learn. So we also got rid of that. So we, we realized what we need to do was take what we know, the the insights, and apply artificial intelligence to it. Yep. So we then spent the last year working with the AI architect. We actually took brought in somebody who used to work at IBM at a very high level as an architect building these things. He also ran a healthcare system. He ran like seven hospitals as a chief wow. technology officer. Gosh. And so he had the healthcare knowledge and he had the sort of AI and architecture knowledge. And we started to look at all of these 6,000, within each person, there's maybe 10 or 15 different things we learned, right? And we started to feed it and train it. And now we're at the point where we've built these new reports, so very different than what your clients may have seen until now, Yeah. where the interpretation is built in. The AI literally goes to 200 trillion possible. When I saw that number, it blew my mind. I didn't even know how to write it. <laughs> <laughs> so 200 trillion data points to come up with your personalized report. Holy heck, really? Yeah. Yeah. To, wow. In order to like something as nuanced as, okay, diet, nutrition. I can tell you what to eat and how you deal with fats and carbs. But what if you're also a binger and you don't realize you're overeating because of an addiction problem? Or what if you're also leaning on food as a coping mechanism and it's an emotional issue? Or what if, you know, you're... Uh, eating too late in the day and it's a stress thing and you're all of these sort of combinations went into the diet nutrition report which goes far beyond just diet and nutrition right how to eat what time to eat as an example uh, example yeah and six of these we built diet nutrition we built sleep uh like so in terms of the chronic sleep 
you know, epidemic that's going in many countries right now. How, why, how is DNA affecting that? Cardiovascular health, which is so important. It's the biggest killer. Uh, mood and behavior, which is, yeah. and you know this. Huge. Yeah, we don't, it's the biggest report in the whole thing because it drives everything else. How yeah. do you perceive everything, right? Yeah. Your personality, how you deal with emotion, stress, trauma, all of that. Uh, then we dove into immunity, uh, detox, and inflammation. So the health of your cells, which is where disease starts. And the last one, and what I'll expand on, is hormones and fitness. And what we did there was we focused hormones in the context of fitness because that's the thing that people kind of need. How do I deal with fat, muscle? Yep. Uh, how do I deal with skin, acne, hair, right? We did not yet get into fibromyalgia, fertility, et cetera, et cetera. What we decided to do is this core six report is kind of what everybody needs to go through that sort of I'm optimized, Right. I'm version 2.0 of myself. Yes. If I do everything in here, I'm going to be a pretty healthy person. Right. We're now building a whole library of individual reports, Reports. fibromyalgia, breast cancer, you know, prostate issue specific so that again, we don't need the interpretation that so that it's all spelled out in a digestible manner. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy Pushing the Limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. I've, yeah, because I've worked with so many different companies, this has always been my bugbear is yeah. the actual reporting. You have to have a PhD to understand <laughs> what the hell is going on. And when you've got single reports and then, and then the, 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 uh, the evidence is, is updating all the time as well, you know, yes. so you've got that uh, battle going on as well. And this covers a very broad area of, and this is, you know, why the, the, the one other program that has been very beneficial for, for a lot of our clients has, has, has worked because it is a broad-based program and that's been you know and this is next level this is like you know 1.0 2.0 um yeah. and uh and both are really good and, and valid and um and, and give us that wide variety so can we dive into a little bit what the single reports are because we went over that pretty quickly so sure. we've got mood and behavior so i want people to understand what the hell are they going to learn about, you know, what do I learn about my mood and behavior? So I'll give yeah. you an example from my g- genetic test with you guys. Um, Andrew 2B gene, 
Um, I've got a hell of a lot of adrenaline <laughs> and I've got a lack of dopamine receptors. My DRD2, um, isn't, isn't good. So I'm chasing, yeah, so Dr. Mansour laughed when he, when he saw my report and he said, well, look, that makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> yeah. that you are who you are. Uh, you're on a mission all the time and it's never enough. Yeah. And, uh, you're very hypervigilant and very, you know, um, action orientated <clears throat> because of those yeah. two, those two genes. Um, yeah. What else can we learn from our mood and behavior? Well, I'm the same, by the way. I have the lowest dopamine expression. Oh, wow. And, and I also have the I fastest right. pump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so pump oh, is the enzyme for the listeners that flushes the dopamine out once you're done with that yeah. reward-seeking experience. So I feel things at the absolute minimum. And they, by, by, before I'm even done with the experience, Clean. it's already gone. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've got the medium, so I'm slightly better off than you. Yeah, you're you're functional, right? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> yeah, good. But for me, and this now explains, if I look at my growing up, every single uncle I had was an alcoholic on my dad's side. Yep. Right? Yep. Because what happens if you don't experience pleasure or reward, and when you do, addiction. it barely lasts. You're going to either become an addict, because you're going to go down the path of pleasure, and yep. you're going to feed it. Or you're going to become depressed because you just don't experience pleasure or reward. Or you're going to become entrepreneurial because you're going to cheat. <laughs> that's right? where we went. <laughs> yeah, that's where both of us went. It's like I keep... Or sports. To be, yeah. So you, you did it in athleticism. And yeah. you, just, you can't lose. It, you know, you, just it, keep you, running. Yeah. Yeah, keep going, right? So, and, I, and I'm the same in terms of entrepreneurial spirit where whatever I did yesterday just isn't good enough anymore. Yep. Right. And I'll just take bigger risks. And sometimes it leads to rewards. Sometimes it leads to massive failures, but I don't care because I know yeah. that I've got time to just keep going. Right. Yeah, just keep going. That. <laughs> and then, but now you layer onto that serotonin. Right. Yep. So my serotonin is a slightly dysregulated, meaning that my ability for my mood to match this, these sort of stimuli that I'm experiencing is off. So that, ex- that could express as being irritable. Yep. But also expresses being overly happy. What it really is, is, it's hard to stay in the middle, right? So what have I found? So we've been working with a lot of executive type people and athletes, not just in terms of the sort of expression in terms like I'm irritable, but how do you use this as a superpower? Why, why, what, how does it make you better? Yeah. Right. So for me, the clinical representation is I'm irritable. Right. Like it's very easy to poke at me. Someone shows up late. I can't focus because I need to deal with like, why were you late? Right. (laughs) So, but what it also, why is that happening? Because all the details poke at me. Right. So I see the details and nuances and little subtleties that other people may not see. So when we are sitting in that meeting that eventually did start late, I'm actually going to dive a little deeper and I just make much better decisions because I, I see and analyze and take in details that other people miss. Wow, good. That, that's my husband. I, I'm just sitting there going, oh, that's why, because he's got a serotonin dysregulation and right. his genetic profile. I've got good serotonin, thank goodness. I'm a little bit more relaxed <laughs> in that sense. Uh, but he will see things that I just don't see. Yeah. You know, like, and, it, and it doesn't bother you. Like, you know, tap, tap, tap. Like, can you please stop? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I didn't even hear it. What are you talking about, yeah. right? Um, you're but, breathing. You're breathing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's stop how I survive, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're not lying next to me in bed and go, you're breathing loudly. And I'm going, I'm just breathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is where, again, there's what the DNA world looks at things in terms of disease, right? So 
we, you can speak it that way, but there's so much more to it than that if you know how to interpret it. And this is where the reports speak to the problem. So we don't say, here's your version of the gene. Now, good luck. Yeah. We say, let's look at anxiety and let's see where you rank. And then we'll tell you why. Let's look at depression. Let's look at binging behavior. Let's look at addictive behavior. Let's look at procrastination. Let's look at irritability, right? And we tell you how you rank and all. And this is where these reports, you're going to really enjoy this. They're, they're very different. Yeah, I can't wait to get yeah. new ones. <clears throat> so Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So they, so they speak to the problem so that, the first of all, easy to navigate. And what do people want to know? What's wrong with me and how do I fix it? Okay, great. There's some interesting science here which proves why it's correct. But... Genetic gobbledygook versus what's wrong with me is very difficult for the most for most people to digest. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And so this is where we put the AI to it. And the, the one other thing I should tell you, which I'm not sure if you even know yet, um, we set out to say that, okay, we're doing okay in terms of genetic interpretation. But how do we make sure that in you know a year from now, when somebody gets a report, that we get feedback that this changed my life? It's only if they actually do the stuff we're telling them to do. Right. That's that's been a gap. Yeah. yeah. And we also know for whom that's a bigger problem, because yeah. genetically, we understand what a behavior and who would actually do it. like you and me. We're going to do it. Yeah. We right? do it. Yeah. yeah but there's other people who are like, ah, yeah, I'll get to it. Right. So we we brought in Dr. B.J. Fogg. So Dr. B.J. Fogg. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. 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 So he runs the Stanford University Behavioral Change Lab. Yeah, he wrote the book Tiny Habits. So yeah. he's really the kind of guru and godfather of behavioral change. Wow! As an example, his students that sat in front of him in Stanford went out and built Instagram. Wow! Right? Yeah. It was built based on his course. His students built Noom, which I don't know if you've seen mm. out in New Zealand, right? So it did that weight loss company, right? So that's what he does. So we said, okay, we kind of uniquely know what's wrong, like at the system level. And it's not necessarily wrong. It's just what's what needs to be addressed. It could be, just like we said about serotonin. It, you could take it as wrong as you're irritable, but it's also a superpower because you, you're detail-oriented, right? Yeah. So, so we know what's going on. We also know what to do about it if somebody wants to change something because we know what supplements and foods and recommendations but we need to know how to get people to actually do these, do these things. So when you read the reports, there's these comments that when you read them seem so intuitive and obvious that they're almost too simple. Yeah. But that's exactly how you get people to change their behaviors. Uh -huh. Right. A simple thing like, okay, I have the low BDNF brain drive neurotropic yep. factor. Yep. So my circadian rhythm isn't the best. So I maybe have trouble sleeping at night. You know, yep. the, the blue light from my laptop will trick my brain into thinking it's daytime, right? Wow. So a simple suggestion, like set an alarm to turn your laptop off an hour before bedtime. Yeah. Right? When you read it, it seems like, yeah, that's obvious. But are you doing it? Yeah. Right? And did you even know you needed to do it? So that that's where we brought these simple behavior change elements and reports. And the next generation of it is, is going to be digital, where it's nudging you and pushing you along. We're just going to keep making it better. I've got I've got some uh, suggestions for the company <laughs> because this is one of the areas where you know because I work with people and and coach and and do this and this is one of the reasons why you know uh, we've worked with a different couple of different programs is because I need that ongoing change and that accountability so you need right. sort of almost like a live. Uh, this you know like I'm just putting this idea out there um, a, a website that updates. So that they right. can actually um, take part in this accountability process, you know, right. where you're actually getting them to, well, did you do the things that you set out to do this week? 
And, and I'm trying to implement this now in my company too because I've realised that this is the missing piece for, for other parts of our running and our, our coaching and so on, is that you can give them a runner, for example, a customised, personalised report, do their video analysis, have the initial sessions, and they can buy extra coaching sessions if they want, but we don't have a live accountability document right. where they can say, hey, I did my training session today, tick, and yeah. send that back off. And uh, so I'm trying to find a way to implement that piece of that strategy, and I, and I haven't got the answer to do that yet. But that I know because of people's um, – if I give them just a report, it, 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 very often people just go, oh, thanks very much. That was fantastic. I've learned so much today. And then next week they're stuck it in the top drawer and they're on to yeah. the next thing. And then yeah. you, they need to be pulled back into the ecosystem, yeah. if you like, in order yeah. to make those time any changes and then to maybe every six weeks or something have a check-in with their coach if they've got one to say hey did you do the things that you were setting out to do or that accountability and that's a difficult thing for companies like yours and mine where we're trying to scale and trying to get that accountability on mass because you you know you've only you only got two hands and you know i can't be on the phone to each one of my clients every day and did you do your training yesterday or did you implement the goals that you set for your your health or whatever so so i think that's a piece of the puzzle that both of us need to work on i think Um, that's your so for us it is there is coaching which we believe coaching is primarily around accountability. So we have coaches we train that understand the reports that can help yes. whether it's a call or whether it's a program to, to focus on something. Mm. I also believe that group accountability, meaning that, you know, because we're working with genetics, we understand that here's the 2000 people that have diabetes issues, for example. Right. So let's put them together and let's wow. have them support each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So that community function we're building now where oh. we're saying, Brilliant. Let's group people and let's let them help support each other because group accountability is not only accountability, it's also motivation. It's also gamified. It's also like, I want to, I, I, you would want to win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want to be at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> want to be the best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. well faster than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where our, a big part of this for us, which we're building, we built a report first. We're now building the behavioral change elements. And the next thing that we believe we need to do is the community, which is let's allow everyone to support each other. Yeah. And this is, yeah, those are the elements that, (laughs) and then it's it's nice to know that a a really big company like yours is struggling with the same stuff I'm struggling with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're all all coming out of the same model. Yeah. Trying to suppose this reactive healthcare model. Yeah, yeah. Really, we're we're inventing the future of healthcare. Like all you, everybody that you know in yep. this sort of we're biohacking changing. wellness performance circuit, it's it's starting now, right? It, it is, and I'm I'm just so excited for the technology, the AI, all this information, like you know BJ Fogg stuff, which we've implemented in our company as well. We didn't right. get to meet him personally, unfortunately, right. but um, <laughs> you know all those sort of things that we teach about now because right. that's that's how people are actually going to get the change because otherwise I, it is just a report that you stick in your drawer and then you forget about it and you don't actually right. make those changes and it's only then when you have that persistence and the resilience to actually 
go through with these changes that you're actually going to get any results. And I, you know, like I've got big visions for the, I want to change our medical system in New Zealand. Like I'm, I'm thinking big here. I want no. to be able to have a place. Like I've, I've got this dream in my head, uh, which is getting off topic, but I'll tell you anyway, because you guys <laughs> will probably get this vision. I want a one stop shop where we have like an institution where we come in to get our Warren of Fitness once a year, where you get your, your MRI, which is going to get cheaper and cheaper, where you're about to scan your whole body for, for you know you're doing your MRIs your echocardiograms your uh, you know calcium scores your blood tests your genomic uh, information this the test would be a part of it um, and then you come out with your warrant of fitness and all that big data that's been collected on you then helps you when you got you got to train up clinicians and that that can actually interpret this data and actually then tell you, hey, you know, you, we've, we've seen a couple of cancer cells down in your pancreas. We better get onto it. Yes, you know, we, yes. we can see that your heart uh, wall is doing something. We can see that there's a clot coming here. You know, we can see that the gen- from a genetic point of view, and I want this to be a one-stop shop, like a Warren of Fitness that you take your car into every year. You come out the other side with all your reports and you know where you stand, and that's health prevention. That's, yeah. that's um, uh, disease prevention, sorry. That's getting it at the at the you know I've lost my father last year to an aneurysm in the stomach. If I had had the scans to see that coming, he would be with me now. We would have been able sure. to intervene. And this is why I'm so passionate about this: is that prevention is the key to everything. And this reactive system that we're living in at the moment, in the current model, is just bloody band aids on festering wounds. They're yes. brilliant at surgeries and things. I'm not, not saying that, but the whole um, chronic disease management is in degenerative diseases. We're not doing that well at all. And if you're only ever going to aim, if, if success looks like I got rid of your pain and I don't need to know why it happened, well, we're just going to right. right? So <laughs> but I would say that, I mean, that's an ambitious goal, but of all the countries <laughs> in the world, I mean, you have a leader where I would say that's maybe a great place to start, you know? Yeah, yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's pretty so, cool. you know, try and do that in some other places and you're going to have some issues, but I don't know. It's, 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 there's a lot of executive clinics that do that. Like you can, you can, here in Toronto, there's multiple, they're all over the U.S. You can pay five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year to be maintained like a vehicle, right? Yeah, but, we don't have that here, and and that's what I want to see. But I would like this to be democratized, you right. know, so that yeah. some of the the spe- and it starts off for the rich, rich, right. and then it gets democratized over time as more and more people and we and the the lower cost of these things. But yeah, that's the system that I see as being, you know, like what what the executives and things have access to over there. If we could do that, implement that here, but on mass. You're right. It starts with the people that are willing to pay. You have to build the model, which is what's happening here. There's already these executives. And now those executives want it for their family and they want it for their staff. And then all of a sudden there's pressure. You already have, by the way, in the U.S., the Center for Disease Control has actually created a diabetes prevention program. So it's oh, the first time prevention. that they've made, yeah, they've made, they even acknowledge that you can prevent a disease, right? It's just too obvious. And with the obesity crisis and all that's going on in the U.S., where, you know, if you want an American disease, go eat like an American, right? Yeah. And you, you can probably get one. So 
they, for the first time now, they've launched a program where companies can go get trained, clinic, clinicians, to prevent diabetes and get paid for it. Wow. So they get paid for the prevention. Now, that's yes. a brilliant change in the model. Yeah. That's so you see that little, yeah, there's a spark yeah. of hope there, right? Oh, my gosh. And yeah. Yeah. They just, they don't yet understand that that's also possible for other diseases. But diabetes is just so obvious and hard to dispute. Yeah. Right? And they're now even building that for what they call pre-diabetes, which is 80 million Americans, like, mm. you know, a quarter of the population. Yeah, exactly. Saying that prevent them from getting, so it's, it, sorry, diabetes reversal and diabetes prevention. Wow. Right? That's a big start. That's a good it's start. It's a huge step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what are the, some of the other things that we can test with these reports that you guys are doing? So we've talked about mood and behavior and we've talked about hormones. Um, right. You're also looking at detox methyl, uh, detox and methylation um, sides yeah, of the reports. And we've combined detox, methylation, and mitochondrial health into what we call our sort of uh, immunity report. Meaning these are the core things, and there's other things sprinkled in there, like some micronutrients, like vitamin D, for example, that for you to be healthy, you your cells have to be healthy. We all know that chronic disease is rooted in inflammation, but what is inflammation rooted in? There's nobody looking for inflammation coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So rooted in cellular health is what causes, a poor cellular health, I should say, is what causes inflammation and what causes poor cellular health we know is that toxic load yeah. right where either lack of capacity i'm not wired genetically to detox or to have a good sort of um at the mitochondria literally get rid of that soot that smoke that's caused by burning oxidative oxidant, right yeah oxidative stress right um or it's the external load like something as simple as i golf too much so I'm breathing in pesticides for four or five hours a day for multiple days a week that yeah. I can't. Care. People don't know that. Right. <laughs> I think the golf course is a lovely green place. Yeah. And you would think, so go ahead and do it once in a while. But if genetically, we actually have a patient who we got rid of his cholesterol problem. We Sorry, I should say we quote unquote diagnosed his cholesterol problem as being rooting and golfing too much. <laughs> golfing too much. He was golfing four days a week. Causing inflammation right? from the causing inflammation, and he was completely void of a detox system. So of the of the three oh. main detox genes, he didn't even oh, have the first two. GST, oh, wow. he didn't have it. Oh. So all the stuff he was breathing in was just free flowing in the blood, not clearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the nine P two one, which is the endothelial line. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bad one version. You see, you had the bad, right? I'm, so I'm like very, that guy. I've got the yeah. 6G 9P21, and I've only yes. got one copy of the GST. So you're pretty much the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what we found was that because he was constantly in Canada, by the way, has some of the least regulation on the use of pesticides in golf courses because we have a short summer. So they're just allowed to do more stuff. So there's a lot more, they're a lot more aggressive in the usage of chemicals. Oh. Right? Than, than, than the most other countries. Some of the stuff we do here is actually illegal in most of Europe. By wow. The way. Wow. So, That's so he's breathing this stuff in and all this free flowing toxicity that he can't clear over seven, 10 years of doing this over and over again is starting to cause significant inflammation to that lining for which cholesterol is then deployed as a mitigating hormone to actually reduce the inflammation. And when, what happens when cholesterol meets toxicity, it actually hardens, it gets deposited and stays. Yeah. Right. 
And this is where the thing that 10, I don't know how many years it took to get to there, but the doctor says, take some Lipitor. Yeah, exactly. Take some Lipitor, take a drug that you're going to be on for the rest of your life. Yeah. And the thing that was actually saving him, the cholesterol reducing the inflammation is the thing they're trying to get rid of. And this vicious cycle of exposure toxins. So literally our recommendation was you either have to stop golfing or you have to detox regularly. And he stopped golfing for six months. Winter, right? He actually yep. felt better. Numbers went down. He didn't realize. And on top of that, we gave him a detox protocol. Mm-hmm. The next summer, he didn't start up again, right? As an experiment, we gave him the right supplements to be able to play again. But mm-hmm. just as an experiment, we said, but we want to prove yeah, this. You want to listen numbers went down for the, for the increase. And he was only 38 years old, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So imagine being 38 with a cholesterol problem for which your doctors can't figure out why it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. Yep. Yep. And it, it, Wow. That's such a great example yeah. of, of, of uh, intervention there and, and, and preventing him from having a stroke or a heart attack or an aneurysm or something drastic and ruining him or killing him very, yeah. very soon. By the age of 50, he could have been in deep, deep trouble. And people need so, to understand what, you know, you've got cardiovascular disease. Yeah, he had it at the age of 38. And wow. if he continued that same, they would have told him, go exercise and eat properly, and which is fair, right? That, yeah. That's, as well for six or seven out of ten people that's good advice but guess what for him he had the weak version of the saw too which is that gene that clears oxidative stress from the mitochondria so what does more exercise mean for him more oxidative stress right which just means more toxicity in the blood which means more exaggeration so he actually started by the way i didn't even tell you this part when he was told get more exercise, like the golf is not really exercise, you're kind of walking around. Yeah. He started playing tennis three days a week. Uh, yeah. Right? So aggressive cardiovascular exercise, oxidative putting in heart. Yeah, oxidative stress, creating more oxidation, which was just compounding the problem. Wow. You've just actually connected a dot for me because I'm um, hetero for the SOD2, but got right. the worst GST genes and the 9B21 genes. And of course, I've done right. ultramarathons for 30 something years, 25 years at least. In extreme yeah. sports for longer. Uh, hmm. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I want to watch. dial back. It's something to watch. And this is where, yeah. I, take a lot he, of antioxidants support. Yeah, take a lot. You have to. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. And that's why you'll see that marathon runners that don't take care of themselves, they age rapidly. Mm. Right, because of the amount of oxidative stress, See, yeah. it's counterintuitive. You would think, "Wow, that guy runs a lot, or that gal runs a lot." They're going to be and pretty healthy. And this depends on your genetics. Like, um, genetics. you know, you do see, and and this is why, uh, like, for for me now, I do a lot of weight training. So, not heavy right. weights because that's my my genetics are not built for heavy weights either. Right. It's built for short, sharp, high intensity, forty five minute uh, gym sessions, and then. Right. 5 to 10k runs and yoga and Pilates and that type of thing and that's the perfect combination for my body to maintain now I know that because right. of my genetics, not before right. and I've done right. a lot of damage uh, and I'm lucky that I've uh, I haven't seemed to do too badly but I have you know, had some health issues along the way and understanding these little nuances of what, you know, like you just told me about the SOD2, I hadn't actually connected that to my oxidative load and I know I have a high oxidative load Yes. Add to that the adra 2B gene and the DRD2, and you've got a real mission-based person, yeah. uh, you've got a problem. I'm going to probably yeah. die of a heart attack by 60 if I don't, <laughs> if I don't dial you don't do back. <laughs> this is exactly what we mean by preventing disease. Tell me your genetics. 
And then tell me what you're doing and I'll tell you what's going to happen in 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or tell me your genetics and I'll tell you what to do to get the result you want in 15 years. So that you don't die of a heart attack at 60. Right. Yeah. And and those questions and recommendations aren't the same for all of us. No, this is, (laughs) this is just the key to this whole conversation. Everyone has, all of these genes, and we're only looking at a hundred odd genes at the moment. I mean, we're one mile, one inch into a mile long journey with the genetics. This is going to get more and more information as we get into it, but yes. we already have enough to make a massive impact on how long we live and how well we live if we're willing to, to do these simple yes. reports. Yeah, we've narrowed it down to just under a hundred that we think are the most actionable. So there, there's, like we said, there's 22,000 genes. If you look at a typical consumer test, they're usually testing for five, six, seven hundred genes, mm-hmm. but you're not getting five, six, seven, five or six, seven hundred pieces of valuable information. It's again, it goes back to that's the data that needed to be collected. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's not actionable. It's overwhelming too. So you need oh, yeah. to, as a, you know, as a clinician, I don't know, I need to get, this and then simplify it into that, into those actionable steps. And, and this is what you do today. <laughs> you know, what, what's wrong with me and how do I fix it? Yeah. And this is that's what we work on this month and this is what we work on next month, you know? Right. And that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, where the, where the coaching could be really, really valuable as well. Sure. For sure. Wow. I think we've, <laughs> we've had a, we've had, we had a very interesting conversation because she first got in directions I never thought we'd go into, but um, it's well, been it's really awesome to talking to you because you're, you're very knowledgeable. So it's easy to talk to you and I'm sure the listeners love it. Yeah. Well, I, I love this area and I'm just so grateful that I've come across you guys and, and what you do there. And, um, it's just help, helping me to help more people. And, um, you know, so, um, check out everything in the show notes, people, the links, I'll have all those in there because if you want to get your, your DNA tested and know this sort of information and work with us, then, um, we'd love to, to have you do that. Um, Kashif, any last sort of things that you want to leave? Was there anything that we missed that you think we should? also talk about or we covered a lot of the basis today well i can tell you that like our core business is to support clinics right meaning that we supply them they do the testing they talk to their patients just for the sake of your listeners they should know that they're very lucky that they're able to work with you particularly because (laughs) most people don't dive as deep as you have right so it's not just about the test or the report but they have someone to lean on that can actually guide and direct and coach. And that is unique. And I'll say that like we have worldwide Europe, oh, wow. Dubai, US, there's some clinics that are doing really well that they sell a lot, but they're not getting the value out of the reporting because there's no person there with the knowledge base. Right. Yeah. So the report is that. Yeah. yeah the report is hard. And this is hard. why the reports are so good because even if you don't have that, you will have, at least a very good understanding. When you get to work with someone, then you have accountability. And this is a problem like, you know, that my company has too. We need to replicate me and my partner, Neil, who's got an extremely amazing knowledge in other directions. We need to replicate ourselves. It's like you need a hundred Dr. Mansours and we need a (laughs) hundred of us so that we can scale. But what's important for me in the scaling is that you also – actually make a difference and that means you you know you actually have to dive deeper because even you know when you go to the doctor and you get the test done and you they you you get 10 minutes with them 
to interpret the test. It's just not going to work. I don't know. Yeah. And this is the, the, the big, you know, and your company and my company both struggling with this whole scalability versus and, and helping lots of people versus helping in depth um, and, you know, that's just, we haven't come up with a complete solution, and it does lead to you know me being burnt out and working eighteen hours a day. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, eh? <laughs> and we love it, and we're passionate about what we do. Both of us are passionate about what we do, and we uh, we're riding the wave now of a paradigm shift. I'm, I'm sure that this is a huge paradigm shift coming and it's long overdue and we need to have this, you know, we're getting lots of great doctors on board too with this need to change and, and I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the AI. I'm excited for, you know, the virtual reality, the robots, the, the artificial intelligence, the supercomputing abilities. All of this is going to make us live longer. If we sure. take this by the horns. And so. it's, it's accessible now. That, that's a key difference is timing wise. If I, if we were talking 10 years ago, we'd be talking about a $50,000 test. Yes, exactly. Right. So that's the key difference. Why is this happening all of a sudden? Like you're seeing so much of this with gut microbiome testing and better supplements because the technology is cheap now. Yep. Right. Sequencing DNA can happen within minutes as opposed to weeks or months. Yep. Right? So yep. that's a key thing where, yeah, the science kind of existed, but how many people could pay $50,000 to figure out what's in their DNA? Yeah, only the right? rich, super rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and this is, exactly yeah, do you know, um, just as a last thing, Dr. Peter Diamandis? Um, For sure, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and I love his work. And Stephen Kotler's actually coming on the show shortly, which I'm super excited about. Awesome. And, and, you know, he talks about in his books, uh, or both of those gentlemen talk about in their books, um, you know, the, the, the process from this new technologies, disruption first, or deception first, disruption, then dematerialization, then demonetization, then democratization. In other words, all of these technologies go through a, a curve of where people, you know, don't think anything's happening. That's a deception phase. And then it becomes disruptive as it suddenly gets big enough and it starts disrupting current systems like right. we're doing with the medical system. And then it becomes, you know, or dematerialized. So it becomes easier and easier to do wherever you are in the world, demonetized and democratized so that it becomes cheaper and cheaper and everybody gets access to it, you know, and we're nearly there. Um, and the cheaper these things can become, the more people we can get access to this information. And that's a, a key thing as well. So I'm so, I'm excited for it. I'm super excited too. Yeah. That's a great time. Kashif, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a real honor to have you on the show and thanks for your passion that you bring to your work. It's fantastic. No, it was awesome. Love talking to you. We'll do it again. <laughs> That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 